Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the OrthoBullets podcast. In today's episode, we covered the topic of cervical lateral mass fracture separation found under the spine section at orthobullets.com. Let's begin with a quick summary. Cervical lateral mass fracture separations of the lateral mass facet are uncommon cervical spine injuries characterized by a high degree of instability and neurological deficits. Diagnosis is made with CT scan of the cervical spine. Treatment is usually posterior decompression and two-level instrumented fusion. Now let's get into the episode. Demographically, it demonstrates a male-to-female ratio of 2 to 1, and the mean age is 35 years old, but it can be seen in patients between 20 and 70 years old typically. In terms of the anatomic location, C6 is most often affected, followed by C5, followed by C7, which is followed by C4, which is followed by C3. In terms of the pathophysiology, the mechanism of injury typically involves a traffic accident, falling, or a heavy object landing on the head, and there is typically hyperextension with lateral compression and rotation of the cervical spine. Conditions that are associated include instability, which typically affects two levels. This is because of the involvement of the superior facet and the inferior facet on either side of the fractured articular mass. There's also typically anterior translation, also referred to as listhesis. This occurs in the fractured vertebrae in 77% of cases, in the superior adjacent vertebra in 24% of cases, and in the inferior adjacent vertebra in 10% of cases. There's coronal translation in 33% of cases, and vertebral body collapse also in 33% of cases, although the rate is lower in type A separation fracture subtypes. Now let's discuss the Cotani classification. A type A, or separation fracture, involves two fracture lines of the unilateral lamina and pedicle. There is anterior translation at the same level in 91% of cases, and anterior translation in an adjacent level in 20% of cases. A type B, or comminution type, involves multiple fracture lines with lateral wedging in a coronal plane. There is anterior translation of an adjacent level in 50% of cases. A type C, or split type, involves vertical fracture lines in the coronal plane with invagination of the superior articular process of the caudal vertebra. There's anterior translation at the same level in 80% of cases. A type D, or traumatic spondylolysis, involves bilateral horizontal fracture lines of the pars interarticularis, leading to separation of the anterior-posterior spinal elements. There's anterior translation at the same level in 100% of cases, and anterior translation in an adjacent level in 50% of cases. Moving on to the presentation. A patient's history should involve the most common mechanisms, which can be classified under the Allen and Ferguson classification. This includes extension compression, lateral flexion, which may result in a type B comminuted subtype, and flexion distraction. Symptoms may include neurological symptoms in up to 66% of cases. These may involve radicular pain, radiculopathy, or spinal cord injury or myelopathy, and they can be classified by the Frankel grade or Asia impairment scale. On exam, one may note torticollis and paravertebral muscle spasm. On a neurovascular exam, one may note radicular pain and numbness and myelopathy. In terms of imaging, recommended radiographs include an AP, lateral, and oblique view. Specific findings may include disc space narrowing, often it is difficult to detect this on plain radiographs, however, and instability, which may demonstrate more than 3.5 millimeters of displacement, more than 10 degrees of kyphosis, and more than 10 degrees of rotation difference compared with the adjacent vertebra. Remember that radiography has low sensitivity, however, as it only has a 38% pickup rate on plain radiographs. CT is indicated to further evaluate the fracture morphology.
And remember that the fracture line may extend rostrally or caudally into adjacent superior or inferior facets, ventrally into the foramen transversarium or the transverse process and pedicle, and dorsally into the lamina. Specific findings may include translation of the fractured or adjacent vertebra in the sagittal and coronal planes, an uncovertebral joint subluxation, and the degree of vertebral body destruction. An MRI may help to demonstrate disruption of ligaments. There is rupture of the anterior longitudinal ligament in 50-75% to of cases, disruption of the posterior longitudinal ligament in 30-35% to of cases, and disruption of the interspinous and supraspinous ligaments in 10-75% to of cases. There may also be disruption of the intervertebral disc and bone bruising, which may be visualized with an MRI. In terms of treatment, non-operative options include NSAIDs, rest, and immobilization. This is indicated for stable injuries without neurological deficits and in hyperextension rotation mechanisms that are poorly immobilized in a halo. The specific techniques include a Miami J collar and a halo vest. And in terms of the outcomes, remember that long-term results of non-operative treatment are less desirable. They may be successful in the absence of instability, and surveillance is necessary to detect late instability and persistent pain. Remember that there is spontaneous fusion rate in only 20%. Operative options include posterior decompression and two-level instrumented fusion. This is indicated in most cases. Remember that the main injured structures are posterior, so a preferred approach is posterior. It is also indicated for non-operatively managed cases with late instability and persistent pain. Specific techniques involve two-level lateral mass or pedicle screw and rod fixation, or lateral mass plating. In terms of the outcomes, there is a risk of anterior disc space collapse and late kyphotic deformity. Also remember that midline fusion does not control rotation. Another option is a two-level ACDF. This is indicated if the fracture is mostly reduced and doesn't need a posterior approach to obtain direct reduction. It is also indicated if one needs to control anterior collapse and rotation. The specific technique may involve using an iliac crest bone graft. Another option is a single posterior pedicle screw. This is indicated for a type A separation fracture without instability. And another surgical option is anterior and posterior decompression and fusion. This is indicated if additional anterior column support is needed or if an anterior approach is attempted initially with unsuccessful reduction because of complicated fracture morphology or late presentation. And lastly, complications may include vertebral artery injury from a pedicle screw placement, late kyphotic deformity, late instability, in particular anterior translation, and chronic neck pain and radiculopathy. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to cervical lateral mass fracture separation, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 40-year-old male patient fell asleep at the wheel and was involved in a motor vehicle accident. At the emergency room, he presented with an Asia C spinal cord injury. An AP radiograph of his neck demonstrates lateralization of the left C5 lateral mass. An axial CT at the C5 level demonstrates fracture lines through the lamina and pedicle. Management of this injury should include which of the following? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Anterior cervical discectomy and fusion of C5-C6 Choice 2. Corpectomy of C5 and instrumented fusion of C5-C6 Choice 3. Corpectomy of C5 and instrumented fusion of C4-C5 Choice 4. Posterior instrumented fusion of C4 through C6 or choice 5, posterior instrumented fusion of C5 and C6. The best answer to this question is 
Choice 4. Posterior instrumented fusion of C4 through C6. This patient has a fracture separation of the lateral mass. This is best treated with posterior two-level fusion involving both the level above and the level below. Lateral mass facet fractures are a result of hyperextension, lateral compression, and rotation. Fracture separations of the lateral mass are not well seen on plane radiographs. On axial cut CT scans, typically one fracture line is seen through the lamina and the second through the pedicle. This compromises the stability of the inferior facet of the vertebra above and the superior facet of the vertebra below, leaving the entire lateral mass free from the adjacent vertebral segment, yielding two levels of instability. Surgical fixation is indicated in the presence of neurologic injury or segmental instability and should involve instrumented fusion across both levels. The publication by Lee et al. felt that it was unclear whether the management of these injuries should involve anterior, posterior, or combined surgical approaches. In their series of 39 patients with 29 lateral mass fractures and 14 facet fractures, they found that non-surgical treatment was usually unsuccessful and single-level anterior fusion was adequate. However, for separation-type fractures, they report two-level fusion is necessary. The publication by Levine et al. examined 24 patients with this injury. They found that deformity with the mean translation of 5 millimeters and angulation of 7 degrees occurred more commonly at the level below than the level above. They stated that because fracture separations were a posterior injury, the preferred surgical approach would be posterior and advocated posterior lateral mass instrumentation. The publication by Kutani et al. classified lateral mass fractures into four subtypes. Separation-type fractures have two fracture lines involving the lamina and pedicle, leading to separation of the articular mass from the vertebral body. Comminution-type fractures have multiple fracture lines, including lateral wedging and coronal plane deformity. Split-type fractures have a vertical fracture line in the coronal plane, with separation of the lateral mass in the AP plane and upward migration of the superior articular process of the vertebra below. Traumatic spondylolysis fractures have bilateral horizontal fracture lines through the pars interarticularis. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Anterior stabilization is an option, but must involve both the levels above and below for the separation-type fracture. Choices 2 and 3. The vertebral body is not involved in this injury and corpectomy is unnecessary. Choice 5. Posterior fusion of C5 to C6 alone is insufficient as this injury pattern results in two-level instability. That's all for this review about cervical lateral mass fracture separation. We hope that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session from OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on orthobullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the OrthoBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the OrthoBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.